0: Take me right back to the trash Jack. Choo-choo.
1: Batter up, hear that call. The time has come for one and all to listen to the A League of Their Own recap podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Berger. Make sure you're following on Instagram at League of Their Own Pod and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, because going forward, episodes will be on an even more sporadic schedule, if you can believe it. Rate it five stars to help other people find it. I mean... Is it not insane that this show still has not been renewed for a second season? Which means I'm going to keep talking about it, singing its praises, and shaming all of my friends who have yet to watch. Today, I'm recapping episode eight called Perfect Game. It's directed by Anya Adams and written by Abby Jacobson and Will Graham, who will not be joining me for this recap. Instead, I am so excited to be joined by a very talented author and pop culture writer who is the managing editor over at Autostraddle. Coming up to the plate, it's the one and only Kayla Kumari Upaja. Kayla, thank you so much for joining me to recap this final episode of season one of A League of on the series. I'm going to try not to cry, but I can't make any promises.
0: Same. I rewatched the episode and cried again.
1: So. <laughs> yes, same. I somehow not only cried at the parts I cried at last time, but then cried at the parts I didn't cry at the first time. So basically the entire episode, I was crying. Uh, it is insane. I'm glad to hear that other people are crying as much as me because I really started questioning, like, am I going through something? Uh, is it is it me? Is it the show? Maybe both. Probably both, but i um, so excited because you got to watch the show before a lot of people with your job at Autostraddle. You got the screeners for it. And I really trusted your opinion. I was nervous going into it. I'm like, I don't know. This is my favorite movie. What are they going to do? And when you said that you loved it so much and it was so good and so gay, I'm like, all right. I can I can relax. I can enjoy this. And it's exactly what you said. It's so good and so gay. What are your thoughts on the season as a whole? Yeah.
0: So being able to watch it early was one of those weird burdens where it almost didn't feel like a exciting thing. <laughs> it felt more like, you right. know, I have to like wait until everyone else experiences this. I was like, I, I really crave, I knew it was going to be a very fun communal experience. Um, and I was just like yeah. waiting for that. I mean, luckily, it was a rare instance in which um, the entire senior team at Autostraddle got early screeners. That almost (laughs) never happens. Like networks are really picky with what they send us and how many people they send it to. Um, And we often have to like fight for it, even when it is like super gay stuff. Um, And this was an instance where it just so happened that all of us had access to it. So we already had this kind of like mini experience and like we were all watching it gradually. And then everyone (laughs) would kind of check in with each other and be like, Ooh, wait this is like really gay <laughs> like and like then the next person watch it and be like <laughs> Whoa, wait, wait, wait this is like really gay and I was the last one on the senior team to watch it but like I had heard everyone saying this and I was like I don't know sometimes as queer people we will like exaggerate the queerness I feel like because we're used to like getting scraps or whatever so it's like this sure. is something where it's you know the movie technically has no explicit queerness in it, even
1: though a, every queer person I know has imprinted upon this movie. Um, and would describe it as really, as really gay. gay. If anybody <laughs> yeah. said, yeah, what do you think of the movie? I'd say it was really gay. <laughs> and they'd be like, what are, what are you talking about? Like learning now that that was truly exclusively a, a queer experience, that straight people watched it and thought, what a wholesome movie. Yeah. And queer people watched it and thought, <laughs>
0: like, like gay, <laughs> that's me, that's like, I'm that. And like, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, even hearing from my coworkers, like, it's so gay. I was like, what does this mean, y'all? Like, what are, what are we talking about? And so then when I watched it every single episode. I was like, watching it with my girlfriend. We were just like, what, what, what? <laughs> like like everyone's clear, Like they're, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was great. And I've just, I've been loving it. I've been liking rewatching it as more people are watching it and stuff. I told a friend recently um, who had the same exact experience. She was like, you know, I wish that we were still in our like Tumblr heyday. And I was like, I was just thinking that I remember <laughs> just like being so gay, but closeted on Tumblr and how like, just openly horny, I would be because it like felt safe right. behind this like veneer of Tumblr and of like being closeted, and I just know that this show would have rocked me and my friends'
1: world back then. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I don't think I could have handled this show. Before 2022, like even at my peak gain, it I feel like it really took this many years of training to be able to to take this all in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm already crying. I, I don't know what I would have done to <laughs> what this would have done to like a teenage me. So uh, I wonder what the experience is like for younger queer is watching the show for the first time like is it that same thing or how much of it is the nostalgia of the mm-hmm. movie and like what that's meant to us over the years and the place that that's held because you know and and episode 8 gives it to us those moments from the movie that they sprinkle in through the series that you're like oh this yeah. is so good yeah. I mean, speaking of the movie, what's your relationship to it? Like, how old were you when you first watched it? What do you remember thinking of it? Who did you identify with? I
0: think I was around 10 um, when I first watched it. Um, And uh, it was at a sleepover. The movie had already been out for a little while. Um, I think I'm the exact same age as the movie. Did it come out in 1992? Yep. Yes. So I was 10 and the movie was 10 as well. Um, and, but I, I like, and this is like the thing that I hear from all my friends. Like I watched it and I was like, I love this. And I don't really know why, but I am (laughs) obsessed with every single person in it. At that point in my life, I was already really obsessed with Madonna. So like, that was a big entry point for me, which is like funny. I feel like that's not like necessarily the one that everyone's always like, well, Madonna, (laughs) but like her acting career. Great.
1: (laughs) Yes. You know, This makes me so happy because you aren't the first guest on this podcast to also be a big Madonna uh, fan, or at least at that time. But I feel like to people who weren't around when Madonna was peaking, which I would say, you know, the 80s and the 90s, even early 2000s was doing great. But the people who just know her work from the past 15 years, it's very hard for them to understand being like, oh, I was... Obsessed with Madonna I was a huge Madonna fan and be like Really that The same huh
0: (laughs) It's so true I've always been Like very connected to Madonna for some Reason like since I was very young (laughs) Um, uh, Which I don't know kind of makes sense In the context of like my first celebrity Crush was actually Olivia Newton John And there's like something There's something there I feel like
1: (laughs) Sure. And I I mean, with Madonna, I think, and she does this in the movie, too. It's like giving women permission to be sexual and not feel shame around it. And up until that point, yes, maybe some women could be sexual, but it was always with that shame, with that guilt, with that, you know, you're doing something wrong. And she gave ownership of it. And there was something, I think, very appealing for people who maybe felt like they wanted to be something that they didn't think they were allowed to be, whether that's queer or gay men, you know? So seeing somebody live their authentic selves without shame is powerful. Um, But yeah, Madonna in that movie. Yeah. That's like, yeah,
0: that's who stood out to me at the time. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I will say like, even just within kind of the autostraddle team i probably have the least like nostalgic connection to the movie even though i have a pretty strong one um yeah it's not as strong as some of the other people on our team who were like you maybe saw it when it first came out or shortly after it came out and kind of like grew up truly with the movie um i mean our editor-in-chief at autostraddle watched the movie every weekend for I think it was four months, five, something absurd. Something absurd. Something
1: that's like
0: like truly next level. Um, when she was very young. See,
1: <laughs> it sounds aspirational to me. I'm like, I wish I could have
0: <laughs> I love and it also often. like she didn't own it. Like like she got it from Blockbuster every time. Like her mom would take her to Blockbuster yes. and she'd get so like I'm like, at what point did you not just like purchase <laughs> the <Right>. movie? <laughs>
1: Uh, I love that so much. So let's get into episode eight. And this episode, I think it's truly about how men ruin everything. (laughs) Those are my notes when watching. I'm just like, men ruin everything right up top. (laughs) Why the show was going great until episode seven when Charlie came back. And then it's just, what what's happening? Why is he still here? So we start the episode with Carson replaying all of the anxieties in her head. Things that Charlie has said to her. Things that uh, Greta has said to her. Things that Shirley, because we end with Shirley saying, I know about you. And... Things aren't going well for the peaches. Everything's kind of on on the line. We have a lot of things that we need to wrap up. And we go right into, uh, you know, Carson talking to Charlie outside the bus about giving a a speech or she doesn't know what to say. And it's just like the worst It's just so sad to see Carson who's like coming to her her own, finding herself, getting the confidence to coach. And then as soon as the husband shows up, just regressing back to, well, what do you think I should say? Oh, just say this. Sure.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: What were your thoughts on Charlie coming into this episode.
0: So uh, some of my thoughts on Charlie um, can be summed up by the fact that I actually like refuse to commit his name to memory. So I have referred <laughs> to him as Henry, James, like any like, like man's name that I can grab at. So because as you were talking, I was like, Charlie, right, Charlie. And I know I'm going to forget it again in five minutes.
1: Um, right. I sometimes <laughs> call him um, Spencer's husband, you know. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) there he is again. What are you doing on this show?
0: Yep, exactly. Um, No, it's interesting because, yeah, like, I mean, we can get into this more toward the end of the episode too, but what I find interesting about Carson is that, like, she is deferential to a lot of people in her lives. Like, it's really hard to see her act that way with Charlie, um, but I see some overlap sometimes in the way that she is with Greta and, like, and how she kind of, like, she is in this stage of like really figuring out who she is and what she wants. And I think it can be really hard to like actually fulfill that even when you're trying so hard. And so mm-hmm. we see it's her regress so extremely with Charlie coming back. Cause here's like, she is building this life in baseball and it is separate and it is new and him coming in kind of just completely deflates all those lines. And all of a sudden it's like, all here so right but then we also do get to see her finally kind of like advocate for herself in this episode as well and you know ask him to leave <laughs> i know it's yes, jumping ahead was a little satisfying. bit but like that's huge that's huge that's really big that's a big deal the fact that she asks and also like i'm not trying to give him any credit but like the fact that he is kind of like all right sort of
1: <laughs> right yeah except he's like but what about me like yeah this was a thing you know they bring in Charlie in episode seven and they make him kind of adorable and likable other than the fact that, you know, he did lie, but also Carson's been cheating on him. So, you know, tip for tat. But in this episode, like you think that he's a, they set him up to be kind of like this supportive husband and he sees Carson playing baseball and he's like, wow, look at you. But the moment with this speech, When he kind of gives her a little pep talk and then she repeats it and he's just kind of like, wow, looks like you're a natural coach. When like clearly read the room, that was like an awful thing. And it just seemed like he doesn't really care. He's just like waiting for this to be over. He's playing his role. He's trying to look like the good guy, you know, but he's definitely not what she needs, not what she wants at all right now but i'm like this guy's actually not not a good guy
0: no i feel like it was like a really good um parallel to like the way that dove is and like if you think back to the beginning of the series how dove is and how he comes in as like kind of the same thing like you know like giving pep talks like kind of pushing the women in like this way that seems really positive at first and like kind of unlocking potential in them like I mean, yeah, like, you know, kind of taking Carson under his wing for this moment, but then you realize that it's all kind of for him and it comes from this place of ego and it's not authentic. I felt like Charlie was doing the exact same thing. And both times you kind of fall for it because they do see, they're set up to be these kind of like supportive, charming guys and they're not obviously bad. And I like in both cases that they're not obviously bad because that would feel like the lazier storytelling choice, I feel like. This was like more interesting. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. So then Greta calls her out immediately and like, what is this shit? So hot. So into angry Greta. I'm into every version of Greta. I don't think there's a version of Greta yet that I'm like, "Mm, pass. It's like, I'll take it all. (laughs) I'll take flirting with the guys, Greta. Uh, (laughs) Take them all. And and you know Carson of course needed that and Greta is probably I don't know actually if Greta is the only person I'm I'm surprised that maybe Lupe didn't say something too because Lupe really at this point has a lot of reason to to want it and to need a leader and I feel like she doesn't necessarily wait for somebody to get her across you know she's like if i have to do it myself i'm gonna do it myself kind of attitude do you agree
0: i agree yeah and she's pretty discerning too um yeah uh i mean i feel like the one time we saw her instincts be kind of wrong were when she was trusting dove um yeah yeah but other than that like yeah she tends to like be able to figure out what's going on and then yeah she does definitely just go for it (laughs) doesn't wait for you know somebody to kind of let her in in that
1: way yeah yeah um i mean i i guess it's hard to tell like the the headspace that everyone's probably in they have these losses behind them it doesn't seem anything positive and you know maybe just everyone's feeling down and and listless but then you know the speech works like we said carson does tell charlie to go back to idaho because she can't hear herself when he's around so it's interesting that she gives that speech, she gives Charlie the boot, he's making about him, he's being a little baby bitch about it. And he leaves the next time we see Carson, I think she's actually with Max, who's going off to play with the All Saints. And she says, I can hear myself now when Max asks her if she's still nervous. So that's, it's like, yeah, again, the, the boy was the problem. Yep, but.
0: He, it was. it's as simple as that. He was the Easy problem. Easy fix, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I love this scene um, with her and Max on the bleachers. I, I like yeah. all of their scenes together. I think that Shantae and Abby have a great chemistry together, so it's really fun yes. to watch them. And I love, like, I mean, I think this show does such a good job of balancing its two main narratives. Um, and then I love those moments when they touch. Um, either, like, thematically but also like when they're literally touching like when max and carson are together and we kind of see those two main narratives come together i think they're both such compelling um protagonists for the story but this is like definitely my favorite scene between the two of them i think it's so good it's the first time that they both talk so openly about being queer um yeah and it's like it's subtly one of the best and like most kind of like emotionally complex scenes in the episode because there's obviously this is the finale so there's a lot of big emotional moments this one's like a quieter moment but like it's a big deal like neither of them are really like using code words anymore or kind of like feeling each other out they both know about each other they're both they have this level of comfort and like they're talking openly about it like Max is talking openly about like I can't believe I'm about to like go play ball with this like girl that I can't stop thinking about and she's just happy she's like yeah like I just thought that the the dialogue in that scene and also just like the way that they are together um, between these two kind of like not quite friends they're still just like you know half a catch buds (laughs) but Yeah. But the way that they're able to talk to each other is like so interesting
1: and incredible
0: really if you think about it.
1: Are you team have a catch or play catch?
0: <laughs> okay, I obviously like say play catch and always say okay. play catch. I've never heard have a catch. I find okay. it so deeply funny and endearing that now I want to say it all the time. But is uh, it something that people say?
1: It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my ex-wife, we were friends, of course, before we started dating, and we played on a um, softball, like, rec league together, so she would always say, do you want to have a catch? And is she's from regional? Long Island. Oh. Yeah, I don't know, so I'm like, oh, is it a Long Island thing? Maybe it is a regional thing, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I guess it depends. Maybe in Idaho, too, different pockets have different things. I. <laughs> I think one of the things that really makes this conversation because you're right it's so different than their previous interactions mm-hmm. but it's now like Max almost has the upper hand you know like like Max finally is going to be playing baseball and she also got accepted on a team with men which is a big feat in itself you know um carson never had to compete against men to make carson didn't have to go through all these obstacles and max Mm -hmm. did the work and got it and was so driven and determined and now she's with carson who looks like they're about to they're on the brink of just losing (laughs) The series and Carson really has everything to lose. Where Max has her world out in front of her, so her guard is completely down. She no longer has to. She she needs nothing from Carson. She doesn't need acceptance. She doesn't need um, you know somebody to make her feel like she's good enough to play. She knows and is in her own, and that's what makes it really cool. Uh, of a moment yeah yeah
0: because also like I mean this is just like this goes back to like the reason why I love this series so much is because queerness is not like just some kind of like accessory tacked on to it it's so integral to every part of the show and it's so like inseparable from the baseball of it all because everything that you just said like not only applies to Max in terms of baseball and like the opportunity she has there, but also the way she's feeling with her own queerness. Like she's saying like, you know, I didn't know it was possible to live life like this. And Carson is sitting next to her saying like, "I, I don't know that it is. And like, She's saying that for herself, but yeah. Her wedding
1: ring's back on. Yeah, wearing her
0: wedding ring. Um, She's saying, you know, like, I almost wish that I'd never experienced this with Greta because then I wouldn't have to know what it feels like to lose it. She's like already kind of like written it off. And like Max has that great line that I wrote down that was like, uh, I would rather have five minutes of what this feels like right now than a whole lifetime of before. And like, what an empowering like sentiment that is. Just like so- Big and beautiful and brave and like, and you know, Carson does kind of take that in and says, you know what? Like I agree, but like, yeah, I just love that. How anything that we're saying about like kind of baseball with the two of them also applies to like their queerness and stuff like that's so cool.
1: Totally, totally. (laughs) And I don't think that that relationship would have happened had Max not seen Carson kiss Greta had Max not known that like okay I can sort of trust you on like a very basic level because like in like we both love baseball but also I can relate to you on this too and we might live wildly different lives but when you're queer and up until that point you know in the beginning of the series Bert hasn't made an appearance yet so you know, Carson doesn't really know a lot of people that are like her. So it's important to make that connection. So, yeah, the the queerness just kind of being a very critical point for all of these things, which I'd like to scream to everybody in the reviews.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, and then because it, it's also interesting to see the ways in which Max is able to be different with Carson again, like kind of a stranger, but they're connected in this profound way. Um, but Max is able to be different with her than she is with Clance, who is someone that she obviously has so much love for. And that friendship is a really special part of the show. I love everything that those two are doing in this episode, like like, starting with that roommate interview sequence. Like I was like, I could watch, half an hour of this the two of them just like that's straight on shot and like yeah was so funny it was so funny
1: it's also so hard not to bring everything back to the l word but <laughs> it was giving me jenny and shane looking for roommate vibes Absolutely, um, but but that is a great point too you know it's like Max's friendship with Clance is incredible and it's almost like Carson just fills those gaps that Clance for this day and age just can't give Max. You know, Clance will never understand what it means to love baseball that much and will never understand what it means to love women that much when you're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Carson can kind of supplement that for for Max, so it creates uh, a really nice balance because sometimes I'd be like how probable is this like does Max really want to hang out with with Carson that much but then when you break it down you're like no actually there are some like legit reasons that she would want to you know sneak off in the night to have a catch (laughs) (laughs) so you brought it up the roommate interview situation we get Cheryl this episode now Cheryl has come up before Clance has literally eaten her lunch uh, at work (laughs) Cheryl is giving so much in this episode but I also felt a little bit like this is a lot to bring Cheryl in to the final episode like the (laughs) finale and now we're just like all of a sudden introducing Cheryl is kind of like a pretty big player I guess in in the final episode but then I'm like you know as I'm like wiping away the the tears and blowing all the snot out of my nose I'm like thank god for Cheryl this episode because I think you needed like that extreme of like levity and like comedic timing totally. to just yeah give you like room to to catch your breath
0: there have been like I mean something that's been so fun about watching the show is that like I really do think that Abby Jacobson is, like, transcending Broad City. Like, she is no longer just going to be, like, automatically associated with that. Cheryl was, like, one of the few examples in the series where I was, like, I can see, like, the Broad City pedigree. This idea of this, like, very bit, like, character character. That is so fun and specific and just, like, weird. I was like, this feels like a Broad City character. Like, she loves the smell of garbage. Right, right. (laughs) The thank you off that they have. Like, just saying thank you back and forth. Like, so funny and specific and weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Abby is one of the writers on this episode. So, of course, we're going to get things that take us back to Broad City and... Cheryl's definitely, <laughs> definitely there. So thankful for her. So then Clance shows Max that she's in The Defender, which is the newspaper in Chicago for African-Americans at the time. And they're so hype about it. And I love where they cut to them going into the screw factory, doing the Hollywood slow-mo with the sunglasses. It's just so perfect like what a good use of that trope uh so good (laughs) and and then also such a
0: like satisfying um like even just like on a kind of like uh like character level like so satisfying to like Contrast that with like the last time that we saw them going to the factory when they were both so desperate to convince each other that they were fine. They were having that right. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. When things right, were right. like very obviously not fine. So then to have this their kind of like rock star moment was like very yes. satisfying.
1: <laughs> it was so good. Oh, but one thing that I noticed watching it the second time is that. Gracie uh, Bert's wife comes up and she's all smiles and she's all proud because now she feels an affinity for Max and says oh I can't wait to see the look on your mama's face when she finds out you're going on tour and then Clance this is what I missed is like wait how do you know her her mama yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like oh like Max is still hiding so much Yeah, from Clance at this point. And even, you know, the bus when they're saying goodbyes, she's like, Oh, you know, you'll make more friends like Esther. And it's like hard to know if Clance fully understands exactly the kind of friend (laughs) that Esther might be. I don't know, it reminded me of just relationships with straight friends when I was younger, that they kind of know, but they like don't know how to talk about it. So they just kind of talk around it and feign ignorance almost because it's <laughs> yeah. like it makes it easier for them. They're like, I don't want to even step into this. It's fine. Well, like I know it's happening, but we don't we don't have to talk about it. You know? Yeah. And. But it's understandable. Like Clance, you know, has had no exposure to this world. It's it's all foreign to her. It's nineteen forty three, you know, so we can't fault Clance for it. Is all no. I'm saying. Love Clance. Team Clance, Clance to Yeah, <laughs> no notes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the comic that she drew, bait and Switch," the name of the comic. And Max says it's good enough and it's better than the comics and the Defender. And Clance is like, really? You really? Like, how much better? It's just, <laughs> oh, my God. Everything she does. I mean, Bebby, like, the fact that she played Clance and was in the writer's room, I'm just in complete awe of this woman. Yes. So So good.
0: good. Yeah. Really harnesses so much of like the kind of comedic side of this show, but then also delivers the emotional stuff too. And like, yeah, this was a, this was a great episode for Max and Clance. I felt like, because like there was so much fun, funny stuff, but then even just the fact that, you know, Clance was the person that Max wanted with her to go kind of face her family, which is so meaningful. So great.
1: Yeah. I mean, that scene was I loved it so much in the house, just like the dim lighting, Mm -hmm. the, um, you know, at Edgar and Clance both probably being like equally nervous, but more so Clance. And the way that Tony plays it so perfectly, so emotional, there's that line that Edgar says to Max that I love so much when she said, I thought you stopped believing in me. He says, I've always believed in you. It's just hard for us to believe in the world, which I think all like speaks for both the parents. It's not just Edgar and not that it's one or the other because I'm pulling for Max, but also I feel for Tony so much throughout this series because I think the, I, this actress is brilliant too just the way she plays it you can tell just how much she loves max like there are few moms on tv i think that have like this much love for for their kids and like care this much and and feels like a really authentic way that a mom does care in a way that like drives you as the kid crazy makes you feel like you're not being heard or not being taken seriously, but it's like, no, no, she just like loves you so much. <laughs>
0: totally. Cause you even see like the cracks and the kind of facade of the like tough parent kind of yeah. act where it's like, you know, like she thinks that she does need to be this tough parent, but then you also see like, I mean, from a couple episodes back when she's like, you know, like I'll throw you out of this house. And Max is like, oh, you would, wouldn't you? I'm just going to go. And then you see on her face, she's like, wait no like I wasn't like actually like like that moment where she's like well wait what are you doing but like I mean yeah yeah, you just said you were gonna throw her out like and now she's going to throw herself out like you know if you're bluffing she's called your bluff like it's like I I love those little moments where you're like you know her hurt is in the right place and she like there is so much love there and sometimes it's just a matter of like it not being expressed in the right way or also just like, yeah, she can't be what Max needs right now. It's just not even really possible.
1: Yeah. And even, you know, she's at least trying at this dinner with the hair and you're like, uh Oh, and then she rebounds with, I love it. And you're like, Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Like, how is this all going to go? And it goes down um, so beautifully. And, and then contrast that with, Bert, who it it always is kind of that way that the person who's not actually raising you, you know, you can go to like a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle and be like, oh, they get me.
0: Yes, totally. They're so
1: cool. They're encouraging of me. Like, why can't my mom be that way? Uh, or my dad, whatever. Um, well, yeah, it's easy for them because they don't have any of that. Like they don't feel the the risk of it. They don't feel the the weight of it. It's easy for them to act as like kind of like that fairy. I love Bert as fairy gay godparent <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes Burt giving like the list of like here's who you should hit up in this city here's who you should yes. like the, the bar you should it's like such an example too of like I mean uh, part of what makes this show so hard to recap is there's no filler scenes like everything carries like so much weight yes. to it like that's yes. such a quick scene just between Max and Bert coming out of a bar um, right which in and of itself was like a great image like they obviously were just having this nice night out where yeah like it was like Max was able to open up about certain things that she can't open up with her mother about. And then, yeah, like the fact that Bert's just like, you know, here, I'm going to write down a list of like, here's where to go, here's who to talk to, like, so that you are taken care of by your own, like on this tour. It was just yeah. really lovely, so nice <laughs> in such a Yeah. Spot.
1: And also that Bert recognizes that he has a responsibility too because he knows that Max is opening up to him in a way that, she's not opening up to her mom to go them back in circle with Tony and be like, Hey, heads up. But when that happened, did you think that Tony was going to show up to the bus? Cause the whole time she's saying the goodbye, I'm like, this is where Tony And then she doesn't show up. And I really thought they were setting that up for Tony and Max to have their kind of like kumbaya moment, but that really doesn't come.
0: It doesn't. And, um, this was something that Carmen, our editor in chief at Autostraddle, wrote in her recap of the finale that I really agreed with, which was just like as much as like that would have felt so nice. Like, I don't know that it would have been totally earned. Like, uh, like it's right. That is something that is not going to take overnight. And in, in some way, I mean, the show strikes such a good balance between like, you know, being pretty feel good at the end of the day, but also being pretty real and doesn't tip too far in the, uh, like in either direction. Like it's not overly romanticizing things. It's not overly cynical about them either. Or like, you know, it's not some like, you know, trauma porn type thing. Um, And this was an instance where I felt like they made like a very measured calculated decision to be like, No, we're not going to give that ending as nice and lovely as it would be. Like, it's not the right time. And like, it's not that stuff is going to take more than just kind of like a talk from Bert. Um, Right. I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Max doesn't really need it at this point. Max's flying high has kind of made her peace with it and she's moving on. And I think that Tony does take. Bert's words to heart, but her way of continuing to show love for Max is by showing love to Clance and being yeah. like, well, maybe Max couldn't accept the way that I wanted to help her. Here's my chance with Clance. And I love that at the end of it, the reveal that Clance is pregnant. And and Clance, you know, there have been a bunch of um, things stated throughout the show of Clance really wants... Tony's acceptance too, Mm -hmm. you know, part of that is watching maybe Max want Tony's acceptance, but also she reveals that she didn't have a good mother. And then she sees Tony being a great mom to Max and protecting her. So for her to be able to, like, get a little piece of that, it's a happy ending there. Totally. Yeah. Thank God they didn't kill Guy. That's...
0: protect, protect guy at all costs
1: <laughs> i i don't think i'd be able to recap this episode if they killed guy. honestly i'd still be i'd be like in bed i wouldn't be able to get myself dressed in the morning if they killed guy off <laughs> same just who gosh yeah that would have been mm-mm.
0: Mm-mm, no
1: <laughs> like I know it's not kill your gaze, but like you'd be killing us in a different way. Like you're just <laughs> like it counts somehow. <laughs> yeah. Don't give us a guy who doesn't have any toxic masculinity and is a wonderful <laughs> husband and a great chef. To kill. Yeah. Oh um, great style. No way.
0: <laughs> yeah. The other uh just to go back to like the dinner um with Max's yeah. parents. Um such an interesting moment where, like, yeah, we do see Tony trying in these ways. I mean, she's also avoiding, like, she's like, Max keeps yep. trying to bring up the tour and stuff, and Tony's avoiding it. But I also read that as part of like Tony doesn't want her to go, not because she doesn't want her to pursue baseball, but it's like a scary thing to like, yeah, let your daughter out into the world, traveling around the world. Like, so I think that really was coming from a place of fear. But then, yeah, that moment where she like pulls Max into the kitchen. Um and It's basically like, you know, I, the way that she says it is she, she says, I always knew since you were little that you would never have a husband. And like, we all know like what that means, you know, there's a few different moments in this episode where people are using kind of euphemisms or like the only language that they have really. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that was such an interesting reveal. I was genuinely surprised by it. Like I was like, but I also thought it was like, I was like, I believed it, but I was surprised that she was basically like, yeah, like I've known this about you and everything that I'm doing is to protect you because to be a single woman in this world is like not um, safe. And yeah, tries to give her these letters from, I think, is it Tony's grandmother? So Max's great grandmother. Yeah. It-
1: I don't know if it's Max's grandmother or tony's grandmother yeah but it was them moving from up from florida in 1902 yes so i feel like that would be max's grandmother max's grandmother yes yeah um
0: yeah so she's like you know i want you to read these and max walks away from that does not take this opportunity i don't think this is the last time we're seeing those letters it seems too significant um So I think that's something that would come back up later on. But um, that was like, you know, we see both Max and Carson at points of this episode make really strong decisions for themselves. Um, Some of the strongest like decisions for themselves that they've made over the course of the series. And I feel like Max choosing to walk away from those letters was like a big deal.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if we go back to the Peaches now... They're in the locker room and Carson gives her a tree grows in Brooklyn speech. I was underwhelmed. I know it's hard on a show when you have to give a lot of speeches. Sure. It kind of reminds me of the last season of Buffy (laughs) when, when Buffy has to like give so many speeches to the. (laughs) Yes. um, Yeah. To the, the potential slayers. And then by like the last one, you're like, okay, these are getting (laughs) less and less impactful. Um, But I'm glad that they did bring the book back into it. And there are some good things that are said, you know, um, all about like saying the thing that's scary out loud, like makes it less scary um, by saying, you know, the Blue Sox are a better team. And Lupe is like, why are you saying that? But that really sets us up for... Well, one, the writing of the names on the walls. Yeah, I got that. Like that, I loved it. It was cute. Yeah. It got to me, made me cry like everything else in this episode. <laughs> and, <laughs> but then we have the scene with Shirley where now, you know, Carson is full of adrenaline and calls out. <laughs> Uh, calls out Shirley, who has just been like holding on to this anger for being lied to. She doesn't trust anyone. She's already kind of a mistrustful person and a nervous person. And uh, Carson gives her a a dose of reality. What what do you think of this interaction?
0: Yeah, I mean, I... I'm not totally sold on the way that the Shirley stuff ends. Um, But this scene, I was like, okay, I like this. I like this. is Like, actually the most kind of like firm Carson has been in her own queerness. And that was fun to see. Um, Like, we've never seen her talk about herself like that. Not even with Max, not with Greta, like no one where she was just like, yes, this is who I am. You have yeah. to deal with it. I'm still your teammate. Like I'm still you. Like we're in this together. You've got to put these like fears aside because they're getting in your way. Um, so like on that level, it was like, it was nice to see. Like Carson have this like rare moment of like empowerment and like I'm gonna say this. Um yeah. And she knows she's taking on a risk there. But yeah, it, it was it was good to see on that level.
1: And then we get out to the game and <sighs> bring me home Shaw when when Greta says that I was it's just like, looking at my notes and it's like all caps bring me home Shaw bring me home Shaw it's like such a good flirt
0: It's like, oh my it's just,
1: god I was
0: like wow 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 wow, wow. everything about Greta it's just like Oh, smooth, smooth operator.
1: <laughs> so if I could have like an, an ounce of that, and that's like, ugh. Yeah, so that's a it's a fun game to watch, and they're able to make it to the next round of the playoffs, and that's when Greta gets the job offer and she's signing the autograph for the kids, which brings us back to the the movie when Kit is signing the autographs after after the big game. And I have a list that we'll get to later of everything that made me cry. Uh, <laughs> but then Greta gets a, a job offer to work in New York, which I, I really liked that. I thought that that was a really fun move because this whole thing, all this talk about going to LA, it's like, well, what is she really doing? Like right. she doesn't, yeah. Is she just like, I'm a pretty face and I'm going to get discovered in Hollywood. It doesn't seem like she has... You know, it, it almost just seemed like a fantasy that she was never really serious about. Right. And I think this reveals that it was a fantasy that she wasn't that serious about because all it took was one job offer. How about you move to the other coast and work for my cosmetics company? And she's like, oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, forget those dreams. It wasn't like, (laughs) no, I'm going to be a star. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And also just like
0: the kind of like queer history nerd me is like, oh, my gosh, like New York in the 40s. Like there's like so much underground queer shit that Greta can get up to. I was already thinking I was like. Oh, to have, like, a spinoff that's just, like, the off-season. Yes. <laughs> like, what yes. these girls are up to when they're not playing baseball. I was like, I want to know. But, yeah, I think New York yes. is such a better fit for Greta on so many levels.
1: Hashtag find your cubbyhole. Um, <laughs> oh, I do want that. I want... <laughs> I hope season two opens with what they've been up to in the off season. Yes. And we get like at least one scene of Greta in New York with whatever woman she's dating. But anyway, yes. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> then we have, the, we have the Shirley scene. I loved it. I know you say that. Like <laughs> it probably, it seems like way, way too much of a turn. But I was dying. I mean, I mean it's
0: instances where like caper lamp pulls it off like she's so fucking yes. funny in this role and like she's she's so weird there's so many moments throughout the series where like it'll just do a cut to her in the dugout and it's like it's just so fucking funny so like right it's, like, she definitely almost pulls this off i think it was just like it was one of the only Moments in the season where I was like, okay, this is a little cheap to end on this, like, major dramatic cliffhanger in episode seven and then have this be, like, the payoff. Like, I was like... But I also understand liking it. It is very funny.
1: It's so... The fact that there's just, like, a table full of dented Dented hands (laughs) and she... (laughs) And when Carson's like, you don't have to finish the cans.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Shirley probably is the type of person who's like, you know, if I'm going to face my fears, I'm going to do it this way. Like
1: right, completely
0: right. over the top, overboard. Like, right. yeah, I'm going to kiss Carson. I'm going to eat out of these dented cans. And that's how I'm going to prove to myself.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the the double checking in with herself that she wasn't into the kiss was a great move too now i mean it, it works because of caperland
0: some of the weirdest uh comedy shows i've ever been to in my life were caperland shows um, like years ago but
1: and then we get to the the big game game day we're in the finals and before they leave they sing the song they
0: sing the song
1: and Esty asked just to start the song, which Kelly who plays her is um, from what I've read, a talented uh, vocalist and they do their own little spin on it and SD Terry and, and just get them started off and uh, yeah, lost it here. Um, Just so good.
0: Even just the visual of them all on the porch like that. It's just, it's so, it's so good. It's like instant tearjerker. And I just wasn't expecting it. Like, I wasn't expecting the song. I really was not.
1: I was wondering, but then after we had gone so far without the song, and then there's no theme song for the show, and it's not that that I needed it, but... Here's one thing I love so much about the series is that the parts that they bring from the movie, they do it in their own way. So they do that there's no crying in baseball their own way. They do the song their own way and in a way that it doesn't feel forced that if you haven't seen the movie, which why um but if you haven't seen the movie and you're just watching this it doesn't feel like well that was a weird move you know like sometimes things can do that where it's like just a a random out of place wink to the audience but they do such a great job um so i love that we got to have that moment and doing it before the final game so perfect loving loving all the um Moves that the team are doing on the field, the double steal between uh, Esti and Lupe. So good. We we get the other uh, callback to the movie with Carson catching the ball behind her back, Allegina Davis, but does it in a very Carson way.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like so goofy. Yeah. yeah, it's like <laughs> it's not. So it doesn't seem
1: smooth. It just seems goofy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then. Uh, this is where Carson comes back with the with the speech I needed, where she goes into the dugout and she's just like full of adrenaline again and yelling, "You know, brings back the the rob the bank it was just so good. I'm glad that they brought that back. What did you think of this final game?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I am such a sucker for like sports pep talks in things. Yeah. So I also feel like I have high standards for them. And I agree that this was the better one. And I also just like I was really impressed throughout the series how the baseball was shot because I do think baseball is a hard game to dramatize. I love that line in this episode where Greta tells the woman who's giving her the job. She's like, you know, like you really have to watch like the moves. You have to learn how to kind of read the game because there's more happening than what meets the eye. Um, yeah, which was also just like I felt like that worked on a kind of like second level of like you know there's all these for other sure. Things. Yes, it was like yeah, I was like that's a great line where again there's no throwaways on this show.
1: Yeah, it's like when you're watching women's soccer, there's a lot going on that that you don't realize is going on. It's because they're all like girlfriends. Yes, so you, you think you're watching a <laughs> soccer game you're watching so much more than that oh um, yeah you, you, you think nobody's scored in a while but really <laughs> there's all all sorts of emotional terrorism happening on that field
0: <laughs> but yeah it's so true that baseball like you know it has this reputation obviously as being like a very slow sport but like it also it is a really slow sport and so like yeah. the I've been impressed by like the ways in which it's been kind of dramatized on the show and also just like I yeah. really enjoy the way it's shot like it is really yeah. fun all of the game this was like the most game heavy episode um yeah because we see multiple games but like yeah I don't know there's so many great little moments in in it like in an earlier game like Greta sliding into the base and like then getting that huge gash like that's like one of the more physical things that we've seen happen and this final game was like very exciting and I also like Um, I mean, like, we're about to get into this, but, like, I just, I think it's so hard to pull off a sports story ending that isn't completely predictable. And I think that there were, like, aspects of this where I'm, like, sure, this makes sense that this is happening, but then it, like, still surprised me. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because in the movie, we have Kit running into Dottie and Dottie releasing the ball, and then it's always kind of a question of, like... Did she mean to? Right. <laughs> you know, and you know that they couldn't repeat that. Like, yeah. they, and, and watching the show, you you knew they weren't going to do that. Yeah. So, but you also kind of know the peaches probably aren't going to win.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. I was like, I, I went into it knowing like peaches are going to be up and it's going to be close and then they're going to lose. But like the way in which they lost was so surprising on so many levels.
1: So Joe, you know, hits the home run, steps weird on First base falls and Carson and Greta carry her and eventually the rest of the peaches. When Jess comes and dusts off second base for her to hit on and everybody's cheering. And yeah, it it was just such a, a beautiful way to end the game, especially when with a lot of the scenes with Joe leading up to it, it's been kind of like... Greta has dropped any, like, feeling bad that she had for what happened to Joe, and it it's almost like there was, like, a little bit of, um, like, hurt feelings there, I think, on, on both their parts, because when they left, I mean, Joe basically tells her, like, no, I'm leaving, this has to happen, I'm not gonna go off with you like are you kidding me <laughs> like yeah uh and and that's got a sting for Greta who thought like they're they're ride or die and Joe's just had enough of this right and and that's the tension that they're playing with but you know at the core of it they've got each other's backs
0: they do yeah yeah, yeah. it is like a really big moment in their friendship and then also like goes back to like what I was saying before too, of like queerness being such an integral part of this show of like, mm-hmm. of the character dynamics of the plot lines of the conflict. Cause it's like, why does Joe fall? It's because of her injury from being beaten at the bar raid. And like, right. that is what makes her fall down. And it's like, so then to see her teammates and especially like the teammates who we know were there that night and like really know how this happened. Like to see them kind of like rallying around her adds this whole other level to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Perfect way to end the game. And then we're back at the house. They're all celebrating. Jess reminds them that they did lose. (laughs) (laughs) And then Beverly takes Jess aside and gives her the money from the the collected fees for for wearing pants and that's such a beautiful scene I mean I love what they did with this character of Beverly Me too. and how they didn't go the stereotypical route that's like evil chaperone who's no fun and has never understood what it's meant to be young and wanting to live your life you know yeah it's like she gets it she's been there beverly's probably had her her own wild story and wild times and you know she's gonna do her job the best she can but also it really cares about these women and uh and even i mean it's another episode but when she sends joe away she's really doing what she thinks is best and um I think this was like a beautiful way to wrap that up. And I hope she's back as chaperone next season. And I hope she still has her period. Good for her.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I really love that moment a lot. I really was like, oh, like what, like that one line that she has, you know, like we have to take care of our own or whatever it is. Yeah, says so much. And another instance of like the show kind of like, using you know like like we kind of know what that means like beverly probably is queer like this is the second time she's shown up in particular to like like protect another queer character in this like specific way of like you yeah. know like the ways that the world is trying to punish you for being queer i'm kind of trying to mitigate that a little bit but still in a subtle enough way so i'm like Beverly knows something about this and, like, seems to yeah. have, you know, this deeper connection here. But, like, it's hinted at in such a subtle, like, powerful way.
1: I mean, she comes from a military background. So, yeah. th- this <laughs> is not too too far a stretch <laughs> yeah. for her. Yeah. And then everyone leaves the room. We have Greta and Carson. We're like, what's going to happen? Greta's nagging Carson we love to see it saying that she's gonna have a bald spot in 15 years I love this little like which she knows she doesn't want
0: yes this like jokey fantasy of like you know when we see each other (laughs) again it's so funny because it's like there's an element of it that is like very romantic and wistful of like but then also like yeah like she's she's trying to make it funny she is nagging her and stuff yeah it's they're dynamic
1: is so great and then she turns around and invites her to new york and leaves carson a little speechless and before they can even have a discussion everyone's back in the room killing the vibe for us (laughs) (laughs) so then we go to to the morning and carson is looking for greta to make whatever move she has to make and this is where we lose me (laughs) So I would love to hear your thoughts on, on this. To me, this was so mean <laughs> <laughs> that she grabs Greta in a way that's like, you know, chasing the person at the airport and whatever, and plants an amazing kiss on her against the house, and then is like, I'm not going with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bitch. <laughs>
0: Well, so here's- asshole. I know, I know. I, like, I was interested to see Greta kind of like know that though. Like, Greta didn't seem that put off by it. Like, she seemed to kind of see this coming a little bit even with like the big romantic kiss. And like, I think like the way I'm able to justify it because like, obviously, yes, I also want Carson to be going with Greta and stuff. But like, it kind of goes back to what I was hinting at the beginning which, which is just like- I don't think Carson really knows who she is. And I think it's hard to figure out who you are like in the context of another person. So right now, all she has is Greta. And like Greta was her queer awakening. And I think like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we see that like even now with a lot of queer people, like kind of codependency with a first girlfriend, like your first queer love is like your unforgettable love. You know, it's like usually all of your bad relationship baggage patterns, all of it can usually go back to whatever it was like that, like whoever your Greta was essentially. Yeah, (laughs) And it's like, you know, like, a lot of times your Greta like fucks you up and so like I think like the way that I'm able to kind of like come back around on it and be like this is probably a good thing for everyone involved is that like if Greta's her Greta then that means Greta is like fucking her up for life like whereas if she like kind <laughs> like, of goes away comes back like I don't know like yeah Carson doesn't know what it means to be alone because she doesn't just say I'm not coming with you Greta says are you going back to be with Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> are you going back to be with Charlie? And she says no right away. She says no I don't know where I'm going. Right. And like uh I was like you know what good for Carson. Carson's never done something like this before. Like she does have a tendency to kind of like absorb what other people um are saying and what they think she should do. Um and Maybe she needs this. Um, I think it could be good for her and Greta in the long run.
1: I totally agree on that. (laughs) I don't think that Carson should have gone to New York with Greta. And then maybe this would be like too played out. But I think in the scenario, isn't it more likely that Greta would be like, you can't go with me. Like Greta has been here before. Greta has had, has, has, awoken many (laughs) queer women and to be like I see you like I want this but I also care about what's best for you and I know that that's not following me to New York and I'm sorry I put that out there because I care about you they never say I love you to each other which I think I'm like okay why not Yeah,
0: (laughs) I don't know because we know that Carson loves her because Carson accidentally says it to Max in an earlier episode, right?
1: Um, Yeah, but but they never say it to to each other, which, um, which I don't know. I mean, maybe that's
0: yeah. Actually, hearing you say that, like it should have come from Greta. I actually, I really like that because it would have been been a really good kind of like mirroring of Greta kissing Carson in the first episode and then rejecting Carson, which like at the time we didn't really know what exactly was going on there, but then it like turned out like, you know, this is just my rule for me. Whereas like if she had done something similar this time, if she had been like, I'm inviting you to New York. And then like the literally the next day was like, I changed my mind. You can't come with me to New York. It would have been coming from like a much different place, but it still would have had that kind of like same feeling of like whiplash for Carson. And yeah, it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, the more convincing
1: or, story there. <laughs> or <laughs> Or <laughs> I love pitching alternate uh, <laughs> scenarios. What if? Because here's the big miss for me in the episode, which I know is a question I'll have for you later, but like why does it end on Charlie showing up with the flowers because who cares? And that like that's your clip like nobody cares about Charlie at this point. But I'm like what if? Charlie had run into, you know, what if Greta's waiting around to see if Carson shows up and then uh, Charlie's there and she's like, what are you doing here? I thought you were in Idaho. And he's like, oh, you know, Carson and I are going back. And then Greta mistakenly thinks that Carson made that decision and picked Charlie and then she leaves. Huh? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> have I thought about this a little bit maybe maybe yeah yeah no because yeah I was a little underwhelmed by an eye at like the kind of like Charlie being in the shadows like seeing this happen I think like yeah. partially because too like I mean again like I really like the ways that the show has kind of balanced this like you know, telling a lot of queer storylines and queer romances while also situating it in like the time period in which it's set. So like, yes, a lot of people are not cool with queerness and stuff, but there has, by, by that point, like with that, I was like, okay, now we've relied a little too much on using this as like suspense or a cliffhanger of like, it's like every cliffhanger in the show is like, oops, someone saw us kissing. Like, it's like, uh, like, right? Was, like it, the Charlie one pushed it like one too much. I feel like it's like, okay, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the questions I've been asking everyone, there's no crying in baseball, but there is in watching this show. What's the most emotional scene for you of this episode?
0: Really hard. Um, I mean, I think the obvious answer, the one that made me cry the first time upon upon first watch, or just like ball, because I feel like I cried multiple times, but like cry a lot was just the peaches helping Joe around the yes. bases. So good. Yes. Um, and then yeah, especially just dusting off that base. Are you kidding me? Like it's like so tender, so nice. Like she does not have to do that. Like she's going over and beyond. So like That is like the more obvious one, the more subtle one really is, like I was saying earlier, that conversation between Max and Carson, like it's like, Mm. it's so good in such a quiet and subtle way. It's not an obvious tearjerker of a moment, but it's just like just I just like got in my head thinking about like these are two women in the 40s like talking about like I'm in love with this girl I'm in love with this girl I don't know if we can make it but you know I'm gonna choose this like five minutes of happiness I was like my second watch I was like wow this is so good and I think a big part of that too is just both of those actresses are so good
1: and also she beers (laughs) exactly that's cute
0: (laughs) just cute
1: (laughs) Okay, I mean, I did say I have a list of the moments that made me cry. I don't even think this is comprehensive, but the uh, the signatures on the wall, like when they panned to the shot of it, the bring me home shot made me cry, signing the autographs, when Edgar says, I've always believed in you, it's just hard for us to believe in the world. The, com- the whole conversation between Max and Tony, I was crying. Uh, though the song definitely, like, th- that might have been my first, like, like get the tissues i'm like losing it now i can't handle it when max says to clance you're my team and be like oh this is just how i'm gonna play baseball you're my team um deep breath deep breath okay um oh when the announcer says if you're a fan and you don't want them to quit make some noise and everyone starts like going nuts for the peaches absolutely lost it. Um, which just made it even worse when I it was just like crying from there through Joe rounding the bags and then when Bev gives the money to Jess. So <laughs> yeah. I the show, I don't know, every episode. Every episode I cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big crier. I try not to cry at things. Just I don't like to get stuffy and <laughs> But I I cannot help it with with this show. Who was the MVP of this episode for you?
0: This is a tough one because I feel like my honest answer is like a bit of a cop out. Because first of all, it's two characters, but it's also the two obvious ones. I really think it's Max and Carson. Like they they are both just. I was so happy for both of them through this episode. Like even though there were setbacks as well. And like, you know, Max still has all this tension within her family and like, yeah, I was just so happy for the both of them. And then I thought like, again, that scene of them together was such a standout for me. I just thought Shantae and Abby were like really killing it in this episode, like doing everything that both of them do so well, like at the maximum, like they're both being very funny. They were both like landing the emotional moments, like. I really think it's split between them, but that's also like, they're, they're the two like protagonists. So it's like the right, an right. easy answer.
1: Um, I mean, counterpoint, Cheryl did get towels embroidered <laughs> with her and Clance's name and also answers the phone, Clance and Cheryl's house of destiny. So. <laughs>
0: All right. Yeah. Cheryl, Cheryl. MVP. Cheryl. <laughs> I hope we get so much more Cheryl next season. <laughs>
1: I hope, well, okay, I want to get into our hopes for next season, but yes, let's... <laughs> I do hope that next time Max visits, that Clance and Cheryl are best friends. Oh, God, like, yes. Not, like, best friends in the way that Max is, but that Max is like, is this um, the Twilight Zone? What is happening? <laughs> is Hell frozen over? Yes. Tell me these two are really getting along. And... Uh, yeah. I mean, Beverly, the move of giving the money back to, to Jess. My next answer
0: was going to be Bev. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, I, cause that was just a surprising moment. Like, even though we had seen those kind of like moments of protectiveness, um, from her and also just like the way that she kind of like really talked Carson up in a way that felt so different than like what we were talking about, like with Dove and Charlie giving like yeah. Carson these pep talks, like the pep talks from Bev were so different and like so yeah. real and came from a genuine place. So we'd seen that before, but it was still like surprising to see her do something like that. And then also, Jess's yeah. reaction to it. Just, just said, "No one's ever done something like this for me before." Yeah, it's just like heartbreaking and lovely all at once.
1: Yeah, and then also, <laughs> everyone's an MVP. Uh, Tony. I mean, I feel like this has been the most emotionally challenging episode for Tony, even beyond. You know, finding out that Max is working at the screw factory right after she has the sign made, but like her baby is leaving her Mm -hmm. and and then having to confront her past and have these conversations you know, her whole world is being turned upside down in a short period of time
0: that was like we only kind of touched on it a little bit but that scene between her and Bert was so good Bert saying that like Tony's voice was actually the most dangerous voice for him like because Tony had basically been like can't you just like be you know something else just to get through but then also like Tony saying like I just didn't want you to leave like I wanted you to stay you're my sibling and yeah understanding that but also just saying look like that was why I had to go because I knew that I could just suppress this part of myself. Um, and I almost did because of you. Um, yeah. what a good scene, so much empathy for both of those characters in that scene, which is such a hard right. thing to pull off. I feel like,
1: yeah, it's like the straits will never understand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: true. They don't have the range. <laughs>
1: it's another testament to all the people working on this show and especially the people in the writing room to have that exchange and have both of those perspectives covered so well and Mm -hmm. and stated so well and have it feel like so real and relatable.
0: So that you feel like you understand where both of them are coming from. Truly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Any strikes for you in this episode? I mean, for me, I said the last scene for me, but what about you?
0: I Yeah, I mean, like I said before, too, like it just the, the conclusion of the Shirley stuff didn't do it for me. Um, yeah. I thought it was funny, but I was just like, I don't know. You don't get to like end on the cliffhanger and then get that moment. I feel like it was
1: like, yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know. I almost would have rather like Shirley had said like the, you know, I know who you are at the beginning of this episode and then have this play out instead of it being mm. the cliffhanger, if that makes sense. Like, it's like, yeah. yeah. But also, like, I do feel like anything that I say critically about the show is just, like, so nitpicky.
1: It really is. About it. Yeah.
0: It, like, hurts me to actually, like, say things like this about it.
1: I know. I mean, honestly, for episode four, I was like, they should have noticed that the lights were out in the outfield <laughs> a little bit sooner. Those lights are noisy. Like, I really had to be an <laughs> asshole about it to find something that... I would have changed about the episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then what was the home run for you in this episode?
0: It's so hard. I think it's the max line that I quoted earlier that I would rather yeah. have five minutes of what this feels like right now than a whole lifetime of before I was just like,
1: yes. <gasps>
0: <laughs> I mean, cause it's also one of those things where it's like, if I saw that on like an instagram graphic i'd be like this is stupid i hate this but like (laughs) the context in which it was said and just coming from max in that moment it was just like so earned so beautiful like really did kind of like knock me off my feet
1: for me it was when they're at the dinner at um, tony and edgar's house and edgar says when they go into the kitchen edgar says We got to go. And Clance is like, that's what I've been saying. And he's like, I'm just kidding. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like (laughs) Clance's reaction was so good. It was like, thank God you said this. I've been thinking the whole time. And like, I love how Edgar is just like the best practical joke like between the egg like he delivers these things so seriously and then he's like i'm just kidding man
0: (laughs) clance in that whole scene was such a gem like her coming up with the code word buffalo and then just immediately deploying it she's like buffalo 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 (laughs) so good.
1: all right extra innings anything else about the episode that you want to shout out one thing i want to start with is this episode it was even more obvious and i know that they shoot scenes and stuff out of order but that Maybell is like very pregnant the actress who plays Maybell, um molly uh ephraim um is so pregnant and every <laughs> shot is just from like the chest up we never see her playing <laughs>
0: Actually, well, speaking of
1: Maybell, the
0: other thing I was going to shout out was that um, I love that little moment at the end of um, when Carson is like looking around for Greta and then like is like, yeah. oh, I gotta go get something, and Jess and Lupe are like, Yeah, you gotta go get something, and Maybell's like, ah, so it's just like Maybell probably knows about Greta and Carson too. I love this idea yeah. that like Greta and Carson have been like sneaking around the house and like thinking they're so sly. And then right, it's like right. maybe every single person on the team knows.
1: <laughs> right, right. I mean, I love Maybelle is definitely the the queer ally of the team. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, because she's the one, isn't she the one who tells Shirley, just kind of like, hey, cool it, she's our teammate, it's not a big deal, like get over yes. it. You oh, because she like, even mind says, your business. Yeah, she says about something about Joe. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cause yeah, she's like like she says something about like, oh yeah, like who isn't attracted to women in pants or something like that. <laughs> or I think it's like Catherine Hepburn or something.
1: <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it yeah. back to Catherine Hepburn in pants.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and anything else for you that jumped out or should we go into our predictions, hopes and dreams for the next season?
0: Yeah, let's talk about next season.
1: All right, well, I already want Clance and Cheryl to be best friends. (laughs) I think Greta and or Carson will have girlfriends.
0: I think so too. I think it could be the more interesting story if Carson's got someone new because that's definitely like not as expected. (laughs) And also I think would really throw Greta. Yeah. It's yeah. like Greta has a lot of control in that relationship. And like, sure. I think she'd be really taken off guard if Carson shows back up and is like having a new boo, but I definitely want to yeah. know about um, Greta's life in New York. Like if that's what she's uh, like going to be doing, I like, even if we don't see it explicitly, like I want some of that filled in because I think there's so much there, even just like, yeah, with like queer history and kind of like nightlife that was happening at the time. Like, I want to know about that for sure.
1: Yeah. Do you think that the peaches, like who from the peaches will be on another team who gets traded to Racine?
0: Yeah, I know. I'm like, I could kind of see Lupe like being pulled from the peaches. Like, um it could be interesting if Lupe and Jess are no longer together like their monos are no mm. longer together and like yeah. what that looks like because I'd even like to see you know if all of a sudden they're not teammates anymore but they're still hanging out at the gay bar after games like how that kind of like dynamic changes um yeah um I don't think we're ever going to see Dove again, is my guess. I
1: don't... Yeah, I don't think we'll see Dove. And that's one thing I was thankful for, because they very easily could have brought him back for the final game or something, and that would have, like, really fucked with Carson's head. I'm glad they didn't do anything like that. Like, we didn't need that. But I do think we're getting a new coach... For sure. ...next season, and I wonder... who that will be, what will they be like... Yeah, yeah.
0: Lady coach it would be a lady coach.
1: Yeah. Ooh, maybe, probably not.
0: <laughs> it's
1: Charlie. No,
0: <laughs> um, also curious to see how things with Max shake out. I feel like potentially dating a teammate can get really messy. Um, I yeah. mean, like, especially a teammate who is significantly more experienced than you not just in baseball but in being queer
1: <laughs> right um
0: I mean we saw that there a lot of trouble there for Carson and Greta like I think it yeah dating a teammate is hard
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see where they pick up and I'm just speaking about it as if it's already been renewed we're just willing <laughs> I it into existence I, we just have to believe <laughs> yeah I can't imagine it wouldn't be I mean the the work that they're doing on social media for the show, the leak prime account, shout out to them. They are doing a phenomenal job of interacting, putting out the effort into the press. They don't do that for every show. So I feel, but I'm like, what's holding up the announcement? I I don't know. I know. Yeah. I wonder where they pick up. Do they pick up in the off season? how do they get Max back into the fold so it's not just Max hanging out? Because we love to have Max have her path cross with with Carson and the Peaches and in different ways. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. But either way, I love the show. Can't wait for the next five seasons.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, you know, I'm tempted to be like, I don't like – I don't wish for anything other than for it to just come back. I just want more. I just want more. Yeah. Like, yeah. truly, like this is like, I love every single character, even the small ones. And it's just, I just want more like eight episodes did not feel like enough, even though I felt like they were so like tightly executed. Like, I feel like, I I, Like, on an episodic level and, like, kind of the full season, I thought it was so well-written, so well-plotted. Like, it's not like I wanted more in a sense that I felt, like,
1: unsatisfied or anything, but I just, I want more. For sure, for sure. And I think that it's definitely proven that there's just so much, like, one, source material, but then there's so much with all these characters that we've only begun to explore so many storylines that can still play out so um it to me it's like a no-brainer of like yeah i i'm fully confident that they can come back with a second season and have it be just as good as um as this first one
0: because i would say i would even take like flashbacks like it's like there was so much so much story to tell in the present that this like season didn't need it and i like we we i definitely didn't want it this season because like there was enough there but like I would take seeing some stuff between Greta and Dana. Like if we're like also thinking about this in terms of like first queer love, like
1: oh yeah, Dana
0: was Greta's Greta. (laughs) Like it's like, so you know, we already have like what we really need to know from that, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. I wouldn't mind seeing like, yeah, stuff about Lupe's past. The fact that she has a kid is like, you know, that was like such an interesting reveal. Um, I do want to like know a little bit more about these characters outside of their baseball lives. And like, if that means flashbacks, I would take flashbacks. I really would.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even if it gets a little bit orange is the new black. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not that take- flashback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Season two is just each episode revolves around a character and then we flashback on their life. <laughs>
0: i mean i think like the Where thing that i would he, most want to see is greta and joe's friendship this idea too of these like two queer people platonically taking care of each other and like kind of like hopping yeah. from city to city um like the second that basically like it seems like they might be outed just being like well on to the next thing like i right
1: yeah, yeah A I, gay I,
0: bandits yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> exactly like where's that spin off that. <laughs> I also want just like just a little bit and maybe this is the off season. I just want Jess and Moose Knuckle. I want to see whatever boats that Jess apparently has been on and Moose Knuckle (laughs) (laughs) where she's learned all these sayings uh, and all her pants glory. All right. Thank you, Kayla, so much for all of your time. Where can people follow you on social media?
0: Yeah, I am Kayla Kumari, um, K-A-Y-L-A-K-U-M-A-R-I on everything, just the same thing on everything, so easy.
1: All right. And also a reminder to check out auto straddle and all of the great content that you all have been putting out in terms of this show. I loved the, uh, the historical deep dive of kind of like fact-checking things in the show, um, and content like that. You can always go to auto straddle for, and yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> With more to come, hopefully we're trying to like, keep it alive until it's renewed.
1: (laughs) Like, essentially, like, right. I mean, that's part of me wanting to do this podcast. It's like, when you drop a show all at once, it's easy for people to like binge it in one weekend and then move on to the next show. And I'm like, No, no, this show requires Yeah, (laughs) so much love and nurturing and attention. And let's just keep going beyond the recapping and everything. Um, Cause that's how, when I love a
0: show, like it doesn't matter if it dropped all at once, like it becomes all I want to talk about for weeks. And it's like, yes. but it's like very hard to kind of like keep that going. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like as a queer community. We, we've been burned before. So we know how we have to mobilize yes. <laughs> to get, to get what we want. Or like, no, no, no. We're not letting this happen again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it really is a mobilization.
1: That's right. My fruits keep mobilizing. And thanks again for listening. Remember to subscribe and rate five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can follow the podcast at League of Their Own Pod on Instagram. And you can follow me there at TGI Carolyn. If you want to support the podcast in other ways, I have a PayPal and Venmo link in the show notes. And that goes a long way in helping me create, edit, and mix future episodes. And remember... She bears Choo-choo-chiboge, woo-boo, woo-boo-cha-booge, woo,
0: choo-choo, Take me right back to the track.